All right. Well, good morning, guys. So glad to be with you. As Wes said, as we're closing out the series, The Jesus I Never Knew. Um, and if you haven't been with us the last few weeks or if you've slept since then, you can't remember it, please go back and check out the series. Um, and I'm not just saying that because my boss is the one that taught all those weeks, uh, but like it's been really good and you should totally check it out. Um, and in case you've missed it out or maybe you're a little, I guess, a little sleepy in the morning, um, let me give you kind of like the big overarching idea we've been talking about is this big word, to be honest, I learned in seminary, and it was one of those ones where I thought, I'm literally never going to use this word again in my entire life, uh, but we've talked about this hypostatic union, uh, which is basically with Jesus, there are two parts of him where, number one, he is fully God, like 100% God, and if we're going to be honest, like a lot of us, we feel a lot more comfortable thinking about Jesus in that way, right? Like he is God, that makes sense to us. But then there's this other part of Jesus that sometimes we're a little bit less, like we like a little bit of it, but we don't like it as much, the 100% human. So Jesus was fully God, fully human, not 50-50, no, 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 100% God and 100% human. And if you're like me, uh, or maybe you're like, you're like, I don't know, like sometimes it kind of feels like, you know, that's just theology. Like that's just the things that we're thinking. It doesn't really play out in our lives, right? Um, well, I would strongly disagree because I really believe that what we believe shapes our actions. Like for me, just you should know this about myself, um, that I think the absolute number one most important chicken sandwich that's ever been made has been by Popeye's. And don't get me wrong, like I love Chick-fil-A. I'm going to Chick-fil-A every single time I leave Kokomo. If I see a Chick-fil-A, I'm not even hungry. I'm like, yes, I need some of that food. But Popeye's, it, they just beat them in the chicken sandwich. And so now that we got one over here, at least once a week, I'm going over there and I'm waiting in a 35-minute line just trying to get a chicken sandwich because what I believe shapes our actions. And that's true for all of us. And so why we've been talking about this is because as we are entering into the Advent season, as this being the first Sunday of Advent, and it's kind of this time where we get to kind of, you know, reflect on like Jesus coming to earth, we want to make sure we actually fully understand as best we can who Jesus is. Because when we don't like the kind of maybe the humanness of Jesus, or maybe we take a little bit and we're like, all right, we'll take like 25% human Jesus, 75% God. When we do that, we kind of get into this place where we get think of Jesus more as a superhuman, which sounds nice in like in a way, right? Like it's like let's be honest, like we love superheroes. Like clearly, movies show us there are plenty of superheroes that we want to keep hearing more and more, hear more and more stories. Um, but the problem with someone who is superhuman is it instantly makes it so that you're like, oh, but they don't really relate to me. Like their lives are different. Than me. So when we see Jesus that way, we're like, yeah, like Jesus did things and like he's kind of human, but he doesn't really know and relate to me in the same ways that he would if he was really human. Um, or it also makes it so that we kind of put limitations on like what even we can do. Because we're like, yeah, yeah, Jesus does all these crazy, incredible things, but like that's Jesus. Like that's not me. I'm just a human. I'm not in the same level as Jesus. Um, when I was growing up um, in youth group, um, there was these bracelets that everyone thought was really cool to wear, and sorry if you're still wearing them now. Um, it said WWJD, um, which, you know, I'm, and I'm going to say for sure, like, that's a good sentiment. It was really good at the time to always be reminded, especially as a high schooler, what would Jesus do in this moment? Or, like, I remember my youth pastor all the time would say, like, yeah, yeah, go out and live like Jesus. Well, the problem is that when we think of Jesus as a superhuman, that doesn't feel like it's really fair, Right? 
all of a sudden, it kind of feels like the Hulk is like calling you into a battle with the Avengers. And I'm like, bro, I'm not, I got no powers. Like, I can't even do like a David and like whip a rock and throw it really good. I got nothing. And so when we have those moments, it kind of makes it so it makes it so we don't really see Jesus for who he is. Because instead, what Jesus really was like was that he was actually fully human. He was the first person ever to be fully human, to show us what it really means to be human. Because again, he was 100% human. He was showing us this new way to live. And if you're like me, this is the part where it's really easy to go, okay, but why is my life, why is my human life look so much different than Jesus's human life? And so uh, the passage we're going to be looking at today, we're going to kind of get right into that. Um, and to kind of set it up, because uh, this passage, um, it doesn't really make sense without kind of some of this backstory, we're going to be looking at this place where this guy was at called the Pool of Bethesda. And so what is important about this pool is at the time, uh, there was this belief, and you can take it or leave it whether you believe this was really happening or not, uh, but they had, there was this belief where people would line up, and then every time the water stirred, that people, if they got in right afterwards, you would be healed, whether it's of, of your sickness, of like maybe if like you were paralyzed and you were put in there, you would be able to walk, you know, any kind of ailment you had would be fixed in this moment. So this guy is sitting outside this pool, and this is what we see in John. It says, a certain man was there who had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, knowing that he had already been there a long time, he asked them, do you want to get well? And the sick man answered him, sir, I don't have anyone who can put me in the water when it is stirred up, when I'm trying to get to it, someone else has gotten in ahead of me. So this guy basically says like, hey, I can't move fast enough. I have nobody to help me. I can't get in the pool fast enough to actually get healed. And so then this is Jesus' response. This is what he says. Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And immediately the man was well. He picked up his mat and walked. Now, this is where we're going to pause. Because I think this is where we're instantly kind of pulled away from the Jesus human part of it, right? Because we're like, yeah, I don't do things like this, right? And so you're like, yeah, clearly that's more Jesus being in the God form, right? I kind of like more emphasizing that. But I think what we're actually doing, it reminds me of this old Foot Locker commercial from a few years back. This is going to make sense hopefully more in a second. Check this out. It's do or die. Alex Taylor has the ball for the final shot. He's looking unstoppable in this new February year from Kids Foot Locker. Three, two, by Anthony Davis. The stadium is shaking. The fans have never seen anything like this in their lives before. Davis is unbelievable. The crowd is chanting MVP, 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 MVP. What a hustle play. He's been on fire all night. <laughs> Can I say by far my favorite part is just that he just keeps going. He's not even staring down the kid anymore. He's like, yeah, I'm going to keep doing it even as I'm driving away. But as ridiculous as that is, I think that's how we see Jesus sometimes. We like see him almost on the, this other level where like, we're like the little kid trying to shoot a basketball in the driveway, and we're like, yeah, yeah, but Jesus is like the NBA player. He's like big time. He's got a lot more abilities and different things that I don't have. We almost think of Jesus as like he's on this whole other level, and that might be true if it wasn't for what Jesus says next. So after this guy is healed, um, a bunch of guys get together. They're trying to figure out like what happened to this guy. Why is he healed? They find out it's Jesus, and they go, hey, why did you do this? What happened? And this is what Jesus says. 
He says, Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. So what's really important about this passage is Jesus doesn't make it like uh, not obvious. He says straight up, the son, Jesus being the son, says, I can do nothing like on his own. And so then the next question, at least for me, is instantly like, okay, if you can do nothing, how are you doing these miracles? Like, what is the source of Jesus' power? What makes him different? Um, And we talked about this some last week, um, but in case you've slept since then, and hopefully you have, because, man, seven days. You know what? If you haven't slept since last week, go ahead. Take a nap right now. I'm not going to be mad. Um, But uh, we talked about this last week with Jesus being baptized. Just a real quick recap. Uh, For Jesus' life, um, it's kind of like this weird thing where, like, we have a couple stories, like, you know, we're about to be celebrating when Jesus is born, and then there's, like, one story when he's 12, and then there's a whole bunch of nothing until he's 30. And then when he's 30 is, like, when he starts going out and, like, doing all, like, the healings and the teaching and all the things that we know about Jesus. But before he even starts all those things, he goes and gets baptized, And then there's this eyewitness account of after he goes under the water, he comes back up. This is what John says about the moment. He says, I saw the spirit coming down from heaven like a dove, and it rested on him. So he says, the Holy Spirit comes down like a dove and rests on him, which can I just say would be kind of crazy to see in the moment. I don't know. Maybe it's me. I'm weird. I like birds. I would love to see this actually happen. But he says this moment, the Holy Spirit basically kind of enters into Jesus's life and basically kind of almost like gives him guidance and directions moving forward. Um, And I think when I was a kid and, like, people would talk about things like this, I would always kind of just think, like, oh, yeah, 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 this is, like, when God, like, gave Jesus, like, his power. He's got, like, lightning shooting out of his fingertips or something. And that's not at all what this is. And this wasn't, like, a new thing. Um, This Holy Spirit that they're talking about is actually, we see it in the very second verse of the entire Bible in the book of Genesis with the Spirit hovering over the water. Like, this is the same Holy Spirit that was there in creation, And we see him all throughout the Old Testament, guiding, leading people, giving wisdom. This wasn't just like something that had just started. It would have been here from the beginning. Um, And actually, um, in the original Old Testament, which was mostly written in Hebrew, um, they had a word for it. Uh, Go ahead and throw it up. Um, It was ruach. You got to kind of, got to, kind of get, yeah, get like a solid furball or just a big loogie going as you say it. Um, so just because you're here this morning, you guys get this extra bonus. We're all going to learn the Hebrew word. So on three, we're all going to do this together. Look at your neighbor. We're all in. You're all giving me weird faces. I'm not the only one that's going to sound like an idiot today. Because <laughs> even I'm sure my, even my uh, seminary professors would be making fun of the way I just said that. All right, you ready? On three, one, two, three. Ruach. Yeah, it kind of feels good to get that, that loogie going. Maybe clear out your throat. Um, but what that meant, and what other things that could be translated for was spirit, could also be translated as energy, um, it also could be translated kind of like, when, like wind, like especially when like you see it like going through like the leaves or like a tree, you kind of see it moving. Um, and another one, kind of one of my favorite ways that it can be translated is, real quick, on three, we're all going to take a deep breath. One, two, three. <sighs> 
yeah. It's also like kind of like the energy, like breath that you get in your lungs, which for me, just as a side thing, is I love that like even that word is translated as like energy from God, kind of like that, almost like every time you take a breath, it's like God's presence entering into you. Um, and then that's all throughout the Old Testament. That is what we see is translated as the Holy Spirit. When we get to the New Testament, uh, which is then translated into Greek, uh, we see this new word, and you can throw it up. Yeah, this one I think is more fun to say, but less hard. Um, I don't know. I just like saying weird words. Uh, this one's pneuma. We all say pneuma on three. One, two, three. Pneuma. I don't know. Am I the only one here that likes weird words? I, I live, sorry, I'm, this is just a side note for you guys if it's for fun. I live right around the corner from what used to be Delphi and is now Borg Warner. And every time I drive by, I have to say it out loud because it's just fun to say Borg Warner. All right, sorry. That, that was just bonus. You guys didn't even get that in the first hour. All right. So this Holy Spirit ends up shaping all of Jesus' ministry. Like, it, you can see it. Like, this wasn't just like a one-time thing that happens. This is like every time Jesus is healing somebody, it's by the Spirit's power. Every single time that Jesus is teaching people, it's by the Spirit's power. Um, one of my favorite things that I never really noticed until I was older that constantly happens in Jesus' life, um, which it kind of always throws me off because it still feels weird in some ways, is like even where he went, Oftentimes, it's guided by the Spirit. There's multiple times that we see accounts of, like, it says, like, Jesus was about to enter into a town, but then he chose to not go to that town because the Spirit led another way. Or it'll say, like, oh, but the Spirit led him to go to this city instead, or the, the Spirit led him to go to this group of people. Like, it's like a reoccurring thing that even where Jesus was walking, it's because he is led by the Spirit. Um, and then, as it, sorry, this is, sorry if this is spoiler alert, um, Jesus dies later on in his life um, and then is raised to life. And one of the things that we see over and over is like, because, you know, as someone who is dead, like can't do anything, it's actually by the Holy Spirit's power that he is raised back to life. So without the Holy Spirit, we probably wouldn't even be gathering here today. That's how much the Holy Spirit changed everything about Jesus's life. Um, and I have this quote that, to be honest, probably says everything I just tried to say in a much more succinct and better way, more beautifully. Uh, it's from Gerald uh, Hawthorne. He's a theologian. This is what he says. The Holy Spirit was the divine power by which Jesus overcame his human limitations, rose above his human weakness, and won out over his human mortality. So what this quote reminds us of, what we see in Jesus' life is that being fully human means that we are not enough on our own. And I want to say that again, because I think um, a lot of us have kind of bought into this lie. I know at least from like the moment I feel like I've been born, kind of culture teaches you that there is some sort of, like there is strength in being independent, right? There's like this strength for you to be able to do it on your own, to kind of almost like that American dream, that be able to like, oh, I'm man enough to be able to do this, or I'm woman enough to be able to do this all on my own, and I don't need anybody's help, right? There's like almost like, there's like, almost like, almost we celebrate people who live that way. And what Jesus shows us is actually the exact opposite. He says, no, 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 you're not enough on your own. And because of that lie, I think so many of us have these things that we're holding on to. We always call them like kind of white-knuckling something, something that you're like, like, I have to do this on my own. I can't let anyone else in on this. This is my thing to fight. This is all on my own. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. 
You can let that go. You can give that to me. You can bring other people around to help you through that right now. This isn't your thing to do on your own. That doesn't make you strong. Um, or if you're like me, um, I probably struggle with this at least three times every hour, if I'm going to be honest. Um, I don't like asking people for help. Um, and I'm super good every single time I have in that scenario to be like, oh, yeah, I just gotta, I'm going to be nice to them. I'm going to serve them. I'm going to make sure like, you know, they don't feel like I'm inconveniencing them or they're really busy. I don't want to mess with them. Um, but like, let's be honest. Like, if you're like me, like most of the time it's just pride. <laughs> It's just like that own pride of like, I want to do it myself. I want to prove that I can do it. I want to prove to other people that I am worth it, that I can do it on my own. And I'm going to be honest, whether you're like that or like maybe you're white knuckling something, like you can go that way for a little while and maybe it's working for you right now, but I'm going to tell you right now, it won't last. Like you are going to get beat down and you are not going to have life giving energy coming into you from holding on to that thing. You can let people in. You can let the Holy Spirit in to work on that. Through Jesus, we, we see that independence does not equal strength. Instead, dependence is what equals strength. Being around people, having people building into you. Um, I think for us, like if Jesus needed so badly to depend on the Holy Spirit to kind of lead him through his life, Man, how arrogant do we have to be to think that we can do it alone or even trust our own judgment? If we see that this was a huge part of how Jesus lived his life, man, we should be making it a huge part about how we live our lives. Whether it's trusting in the Holy Spirit or maybe it's just building a more community around you. So maybe for you, like maybe the question this morning is like, what area of your life do you need to stop trying to do alone and invite God into it? Like where do you need help? And I think um, if that was where we were going to end today, like that would have been, I think that's solid. We could do that. Um, but Jesus goes on and actually gives us more than what we maybe even asked for originally. Because Jesus says he's sending someone. And again, I want us to kind of all remember, like this is the same power. This Holy Spirit was there in creation, was there guiding and leading Jesus through his life. It is also the same Holy Spirit that brings him from the dead. Like that's the kind of power that Jesus is about to talk about in this passage um, this is like him kind of saying uh, his final, final words to a lot of his disciples right before he's going to die. He's like telling them all these things, and this is one of the things that he says. You can check it out. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will send another companion. And when it says companion there, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. He says, who will be with you forever? And this companion is the spirit of truth whom the world can't receive because it neither sees him nor recognizes him. You know him because he lives with you and will be with you. So he says, like, if you are following me, you get this Holy Spirit, this same spirit that was guiding me. You also get to receive it. Um, and then what's crazy to me, because, like, again, that would be like, all right, that seems like a credible gift. No, no, no. Jesus doubles down even harder. And this is what, right before that, this is what he says. He says, I assure you that whoever believes in me will do the works that I do. They will do even greater works than these because I am going to the Father. He says, not only do you get to have this Holy Spirit, but on top of that, like you're going to do even greater works than some of the things that I have done. And I think this, for us, a lot of us, like this is kind of where the rub is, right? Because it's instantly like, 
okay, <laughs> like, I don't feel like I sense the Holy Spirit or feel the Holy Spirit moving in the same ways that Jesus apparently was, because for Jesus, it feels like it's like almost like a moment-from-moment moment thing where he's trusting in the Spirit, and maybe you're here, and you're like, I mean, maybe a couple times, like, there's a couple big moments or, like, big stories I have where I could share where, like, the Holy Spirit was moving, but a lot of times, I don't really feel it, and if you're here, um, I think there's a couple different things that can kind of go with that. Like, first of all, for sure, like the Holy Spirit moves in like really big ways. Like, um, I know I'm sure we could even share, do open mic night, don't worry, we're not going to do that, um, where you can even share like stories of like where the Holy Spirit has moved in your life, right? Like for me, like I have definitely felt like the Holy Spirit moving in different moments. Like maybe when it was like switching jobs, um, me and my wife adopted uh, two boys years ago. And like for us, like that was definitely like the Holy Spirit was moving through the entire process. Um, sometimes it's just like choices, like big choices I've had to make. Like I have definitely felt the Holy Spirit moving in that. Um, but I think what we see a lot more of in the life of Jesus is almost like these small moves of the Holy Spirit, right? Almost like these everyday moves. Um, for me, like this shows up um, for like calling. Um, if, if you've ever tried to text or call me, I'm sorry. <laughs> Everyone knows I am miserable with this. Uh, normally, if someone calls me, it's probably three days later and then I'm calling them back. Um, I'm not trying to ignore you. This is, three days actually be pretty good, if I'm going to be honest. Um, but um, one of the things I've tried to get better at, even in like the last couple of years, is like when somebody's uh, name comes to my mind, trying to like reach out to them right there in that moment. Um, I can't even tell you how many times I've had like somebody pop into my mind. I'm like, oh yeah, love that guy. So many laughs, ha ha ha. And then maybe like a week later, like that same person comes to my mind. I'm like, ha ha ha, that guy's so great. And then like, I'm laughing to myself, what a weirdo. Um, and then like finally, like three weeks in, I'm like, all right. I probably should probably reach out to that guy and then find out like on week one, like he was going through some really hard stuff. And I fully believe that that was God leading me to maybe reach out, talk to that person, help them carry this weight that they're going through. And I kept missing out on it time and time again. So I'm trying to grow as a person and get better about reaching out faster and sooner. Um, sometimes it's as simple as like hard conversations. Like I have definitely been with people before where I'm like, I don't even know the words to say right now. And, like, there is something that feels like it's leading me to, like, talk to them about a certain thing or, like, say certain words to them. Um, and to be honest, like, probably base level, like, one of the main things that I feel like I have kind of helped me to see where the Holy Spirit is moving more is simply, like, just kind of praying. Like, maybe before I go into a meeting, maybe before I'm going to go hang out with somebody, even sometimes right before I'm going into, like, work or, like, you know, if I just get a moment to myself starting my day, just going, like, Holy Spirit, help me see where you're moving today. God, help me see where you're moving today. As simple as that, in a lot of ways, can really help you to kind of see where the Holy Spirit is moving. Um, and, and there's also this passage I want to share, because I think even above and beyond that, um, we see this passage that kind of gives us uh, ways that, number one, we can practice what it looks like to live following the Holy Spirit, but also helps us kind of attune our minds to seeing it. Because I fully believe, like, the Holy Spirit is, like, talking to us, teaching us, showing us things all the time, but most of the time we're kind of so caught up in the busyness of life, it's really easy to kind of ignore and pass it by. Um, and so we're going to look at this passage written by this guy named Paul. He's one of the early Jesus followers. He's writing this to another church. This is what he starts it with. He says, instead, 
be filled with the Spirit in the following ways. Um, and this is just a little side note, um, that be filled um, is actually in the original Greek present imperative, uh, which might seem like, why are we doing grammar right now? But what that matters is because it's not just a one-time thing. That means it's like a continual filling. I think it's like this good reminder that, you know, as Jesus followers, like it's not just like you get the Holy Spirit and it's just done. Like, no, no, no. It's almost like an every day, every week, every moment kind of choice of like if we're going to try to follow. So he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit in the following ways. And the first thing that he says after that is this. Speak to each other with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. I'm going to be honest. When I read this for the first time this week, it kind of threw me. I was like, well, uh, what am I supposed to do with this? Like, go greet Joel. Like, hey, Joel, amazing grace. Like, just go for it all out. Like, is that what I'm supposed to do? Nobody wants to hear that. I got a miserable voice. I'm sorry. You can now hear why I'm not on the worship team. Um, yeah, what does that mean? But I think for me, it kind of comes back to words. Kind of like our big thing is like, when you're either psalms or hymns or spiritual songs, the main thing they all have in common is they are talking about God, right? They're kind of focusing, bringing our eyes up to a higher power. And so I think the more important thing that is we can really get from this is do you have places that you can talk about things that really matter? Do you have people around you that you can talk and have words that are not only just about like the mundane, everyday parts of life, which, yes, have those people too, but do you have people around you that you can look up and kind of see what God is doing in their lives and in your lives? Um, one of the things um, that I think for us, like why this really matters is like, this is why we have table groups here at Bridgeway. Um, I can't even tell you uh, through the years, like through like whatever you want to call them, through small groups, through life groups, through now my table group, how many times just being around a group of other people and talking about God, talking about things that are bigger than like the day-to-day -day, has helped me to see where God was moving in my own life. Like just kind of seeing like, oh yeah, yeah, it's kind of obvious now, but I didn't really realize that all these things are lining up and maybe I should follow what God is doing in that moment. So if you don't already have those people, man, I would really encourage you to get into a table group. Talk to Allison Brantley. She's amazing. She'll get you hooked up. Um, so yeah, next part of the verse. This is what he continues and says, sing and make music to the Lord in your heart. So I'm just going to simplify this one. Just sing. Um, again, um, for me, I'm weird. I'm one of those weird people that has like a weird obsession with music. Um, I can, like if you ask me um, what what my wife was wearing on her very first date. I don't remember. But I remember the music we were listening to. We were listening to With the Beatles. It's a very, not very good, the Beatles album. Uh, but it's, uh, I remember the music that we were listening to. I remember the music that she was, that we were playing as she was walking down the aisle. I don't remember her dress as well. Uh, but, um, gonna get in trouble for that one later. But, um, that's like the kind of weird, and like I think we all experience music in different ways, but what I know is true of everyone is, isn't it weird how music works? Like I know it's like there's like a left and a right, like it works both sides of your brain, but makes it really memorable. Even like songs like, okay, Live in La Vida Loca by Ricky Martin, I didn't even like the song at the time when it came out, and now if it plays on the radio or if someone's got it on like a playlist, I'm instantly like, I know every single word, and like I'm like, this is my jam, I'm feeling this right now. And I'm like, I didn't even like the song, but there's something about music 
right? That kind of brings up things in our minds. And that's why I think it's so important. Like, that's why when people, you ask someone, like, hey, what's your favorite part about, like, church? Or, like, almost every time they're going to say, the music, worship. Because there's something about it that helps us kind of transcend out of our normal mundane lives. And also helps us to kind of just remember that truth outside of that one moment. Helps us to remember it. Um, And then the next part that Paul says He says, and always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then he just says simply, thanks, right? He just kind of makes it real simple. And I think this one is more important than we even realize. Because originally, as I'm saying this, I'm sure a lot of you are like, all right, all right, say thanks. We just got through Thanksgiving. I'm so grateful for all my things, right? And it's really easy for us, I'm 100% on this boat, I'm not trying to call out anybody, for us to call out when other people are being ungrateful for things or when other people are like, you know, kind of like entitled a little bit. Yeah, yeah, none of us ever want to call out us being untitled and us being uh, ungrateful, right? Like no one, we never call ourselves out for that. But I think what's true is that all of us are at different times, if not already right now in this moment. Because I think if we're really going to be thankful, like we, would, we wouldn't even be able to hang out right now because we would literally be too busy just sitting here thanking and being thankful for all the different things in our lives, Right? There's that many things to be thankful for. And I think why this is so important is because every time we have something good in our lives that we're thankful for, whether it's like a friendship, maybe it's just having heat in your car, or maybe if you're here and you're like me and you're like, AC's a little on the skitsy side, like, you know what, you still got a car though. Um, you know, like, you know, all these different things that we can be thankful for every single time, guess what? We are thanking God. We're thanking the Holy Spirit for the blessings that we have. We're seeing how the Holy Spirit is moving and giving us good things. Um, there's this quote from Henry Nouwen, probably my favorite pastor author of all time. Um, this is what he says. He says, every time we decide to be grateful, it will be easier to see new things to be grateful for. Gratitude begets gratitude, just as love begets love. There's something about thankfulness that when we make it a practice in our lives, we start to become more and more grateful. And I think we all know people that are really negative all the time and how draining they are to be around. And this is like an opportunity to say, no, 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 no. I'm calling you to something so much better than that. So what do you, and I even have, um, what are you doing to be thankful for? I have a buddy who, um, he, every night before he goes to sleep, he says that he makes like, I think sometimes he writes it, sometimes he just types into his phone. He just lists like three things that he's thankful for before he goes to sleep. Um, and, you know, he tries to mix it up every single day so it's not just like my bed, my bed, my bed. Because let's be honest, if you're laying in bed, like, you're like, this is pretty nice. Um, but like he is always trying to come up with like what are the three things he'd be thankful for. Even if the day was miserable, even if it was like maybe worst day of his life, he's still going to make that a priority because like there's still things to be thankful for. Are we making that a practice in our lives? You don't have to write three things down. But what is that thing for you? Um, to be honest, like I've kind of caught myself in this. And this is something I think I've grown in accidentally. Um, I'm not trying to brag on myself. This wasn't an on-purpose thing. But, you know, I have um, two boys, uh, 12, 12, no, 13 and 10. Eh, maybe 12, it might be 12 and nine. <laughs> um, but I am really trying to, I think it's, I think it's 13 and 10. Um, <laughs> but I am really like one of the things as a dad, like I constantly see is like, they're kind of like still working on gratitude. And so I'm constantly trying to find things to celebrate with them, to show them to like, Hey, yeah, but we have this, and we have this, and we have this and be grateful for. So it's been one of those things that again, I've started to do a lot, not on purpose, but I've now been trying to make it more and more a regular habit. 
All right, last part of this verse, the last thing that Paul says. And he says, and submit to each other out of respect for Christ. And so that one, I think, is obviously just summarized with submit, or you can put serve. Um, like, do you have someone that you're serving, you're submitting to? Um, and this is like, I know some of you are like, yeah, I got a boss. But like, not someone that, like, if you guys say, yeah, I got a boss, like, that's not the person. Like, I'm talking about someone that you are trying to submit to on purpose. Like, yes, please submit to your boss. It's probably a good idea. Um, but like, do you have people in your life that you are serving, that you are going out of your way to submit to? Um, and if you're here and, like, you have a significant other or whatever else, like, they count, but they don't really count. Because let's be honest, like, for sure, yes, submit to your significant other. You should do those things. But, like, there's part of, like, what makes relationships weird is, like, when you're nice to them, normally they're nicer to you, right? Like, it's kind of how it goes. So there's, like, there's still, like, some sort of, like, kind of self-serving part of that. Um, but I'm saying, like, do you have someone or people in your lives that you are going out of your way that you're going to serve even if they don't serve you back? Even when it's not easy. Maybe for you, like that's someone at work, someone at school, that you're like, you know what? I'm going to choose to serve this person. To be honest, I think they're literally the worst. Uh, but every single time I get to work, I'm going to try to think of ways to either show them niceness, show them kindness. Maybe I'm going to buy their lunch one day. That would be crazy, right? And like I don't even really, like I'm really frustrated with this person most of the time. But you're like, you know what? I'm going to choose to serve them anyways. Because... I think there is something powerful about when you choose to serve somebody, especially when you don't get anything back. Um, for me, um, I, have, I, I have a daughter who is uh, a little over two now. And uh, for me, there is nothing that is more humbling than when I have to wipe her butt and change a diaper. I'm going to be honest. It is probably my least favorite part about being a parent, I'm going to be honest. Um, because... Like, it doesn't matter, like, how good my day's going. It doesn't matter, like, how many other people go, man, Nico, you're so good. Or, yeah, you're the greatest. Or, like, I have a day where I'm like, yeah, yeah, I killed today. This was awesome. I'm, like, feeling I got, like, a giant head, you know. There is nothing about wiping a poopy butt that makes it. So it is, like, something that makes me feel good about myself. No, no, it is, like, the most humbling thing that you can do. Like, especially kids, like, parents, you know this. It feels so often that it is you building into them and not getting anything in return. So what are you doing? What are the habits? What are the things that you're practicing in your life to serve others, to submit to others, even when it's not easy, even when they're not going to reciprocate, and probably even more so when they're not going to reciprocate? Um, I have this guy um, who serves on uh, one of our teams who kind of told me, like, doesn't really like his job, kind of is, like, annoyed, doesn't enjoy being at his job, um, and then said, but yeah, that's why I want to serve, because there is something about serving that kind of gives me life, that makes me feel better. Makes, I want something of that. And he might not have put it to words, but what he's really experiencing is the Holy Spirit moving in his life, kind of pulling him out of that mundane, day-to-day -day thing for something so much more that he is getting to experience. And so for us, kind of as we uh, land the plane on this series, the question is like, what are you going to choose? <laughs> Are you going to choose a life where you try to do everything on your own and kind of live that American dream of being independent and finding strength in that, that it's going to always be you trying to find something and it never works out the way you want it to? Or are we going to find true life in the way that Jesus lived, finding, depending on other people, depending on the Holy Spirit to move and making it so it's not just something that we, like, maybe on occasion we have a story, but like every day trying to find ways to follow what God is doing, how the Holy Spirit is moving.
it's, man, I'm going to tell you, it's not going to be easy. A lot of these things are going to take practice and hard work, but man, it's going to be so much worth it. You're going to be so glad 